guys today. So glad you're here. When you walked in this morning, you were given a card and there's a pen on every other seat or so. You don't need it right now, but I do want you to know where it is. We will use that card and pen a little bit later uh, in today's message. You know, one of my occasional joys is spending time with my two nearly perfect grandsons, Elliot, who is two years of age, and Grayson, who is three. When they come over to our house or I go over to theirs, they love to explore and look and play with anything they can find. Here's, here's what it typically looks like. I follow them around. That's basically all I do. I go where they go, go from this room to that room, you know, kitchen to living room, living room to kitchen. I encourage them. It's okay. You can do it. Go for it. You know, I help them. Uh, let me get that for you. I guide them, protect them. Whoa, okay, let's not climb up there. Okay, come on back down here. You're going to fall and get hurt. But overall, with, within certain limits, they lead me around the house. Sometimes they want me around, and sometimes they prefer me to be far, far away. I want you to keep that in mind as we move through today's message. Well, today we wrap up this series called Dream Again. This is a five-week series. If you've not been with us over the last four weeks, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. Messages are there for free. Hopefully, uh, if you have questions about what it means to dream again, you'll find some of the answers within one or all of those four messages. So we're wrapping up today's message series, and the only way I know to do it, to me the best way to do it, is by answering one huge question, and here it is. Where do we go from here? Over the last few weeks, we've discussed dreaming again from a variety of angles, dreaming beyond violent storms. That was part one. Part two, dreaming beyond dark secrets. Part three, dreaming beyond discouragement. And then last week, dreaming beyond failure. And here's what I want us to see today. I want to notice with you a subtle theme that is running through each week. So let's return to each week and see if we can pick this theme up. In week one, we talked about the story of Jesus and Peter walking on the water. Peter stands up in the boat. If you remember, it was a violent storm. Peter stands up. They see Jesus walking on the water, and Peter yells out, can I come to you? And Jesus says, yes, come to me. And he gets out, and he walks on the water. Jesus gives him permission to walk. Week two, we talked about the woman caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus runs away her accusers. If you know the story well, you know she's in the dirt and all the Pharisees and teachers of the law have rocks in their hands and they're getting ready to pelt her with the rocks and Jesus walks over to her after he runs all the accusers away and he says, where are those who condemn you? One of the most beautiful passages to me in all the New Testament and she looks up and says, they're all gone, sir. And he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Live differently than you've been living. And then in week three, we got into the story of Joseph, who was the dreamer. And his brothers are jealous of him, and they sell him into slavery. He impresses the man who owns him. He is promoted, but he's eventually accused of a crime that he did not commit. He's thrown in prison. He is promoted even when he's in prison. Eventually, he becomes second in command over all of Egypt, and he saves the country. What a great story. And then last week, we get into part four, and we talk about, go back to Peter again, and Peter is denying Jesus. If you remember the night of his betrayal, he denies that he even knows Jesus three different times, and Jesus meets him. 
after Peter has gone back to fishing, Jesus is on the shore and he's cooking breakfast. And Peter comes up after a night of catching no fish and he comes to the shore and there's Jesus. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter answers, I do. And Jesus says, what? Feed my sheep. So those are the four messages that we walked through over the last few weeks. And hopefully you can see a connection in all of these. I'm not sure if you see the theme, but I want you to notice. And here, here, here's to me what I see, the kind of thread running through all the stories. Each one of these stories gives us the character of the story, whether it's the woman in John 8, or whether it's Peter walking on water, or whether it's Joseph dreaming, etc., it's about the characters in the story moving forward, refusing to stop, deciding to step in a new direction, knowing it's not over, never giving up, making something happen. In fact, let's go back to them. With Peter in the boat during the violent storm, Jesus, can I come to you? I want to experience something greater than I've ever experienced before, something more. I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to throw my leg over the side of the boat. I'm willing to put my weight on the water. Can I do this? And Jesus says, yes, come on. With the woman caught in sin, Jesus looks at her when she's in the dirt, and he says to her, you don't have to live like this. Get up and go make your future better than your past. Don't quit. I know you're accused. I know you're in the dirt. I know there's people around you who want to kill you, but don't you stop. With Joseph, every difficult situation he found himself in, whether he was in the pit, whether he was in prison, he improved the situation and left every place better than he found it. And then Peter denying Jesus and giving up and returning to fishing, and Jesus met him and said, Peter, it's not over. I know you feel like a failure. I know you've done things that you said you would never do, but it is not over. There's hope for you. There's a tomorrow for you. Go feed my sheep. Dream again. In each situation, under extreme stress and pressure, each person was either encouraged or they took it upon themselves to move forward despite overwhelming odds. And I want you to listen to me as we wrap this series up. I want this to get down into your spirit today. If you plan to dream again, get up and do it. Fulfill that dream despite what you're facing. You've got to have determination to never, ever quit. Move forward. Press on. Go for it. I want you to see this uh, theme running in another passage of Scripture, okay? This is in the book of Acts, and this is probably one of those passages that you may have read in the past, but you didn't pick up the nuance that's in this verse. You didn't see the kind of the, to me, a very beautiful moment that happens here. We just kind of read over it because we're not thinking about it. So hopefully I can bring this out and you'll see it. Let me set this up for you before we jump into Acts 16. The book of Acts chronicles the movement of the early church, the beginning, the growth, the expansion of the first Christians. Before Jesus left, he commanded his followers to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And the disciples took Jesus' command seriously. So we catch up with them in Acts 16. By now, the church has exploded in growth. Thousands of people are following Jesus. They are going from city to city sharing the good news. And they go from one city, they go into a city, they set up a church, they get it going, they move to another city. They set up a church, they get it going, they move to another city. So we're catching up with this movement in Acts chapter 16. And I want you to see this little phrase that is in one verse. 
I want you to watch this. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the regions of Phrygia and Galatia because, watch this, I even underlined it for you, okay, so you can see it. The Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. They were on their way to the province of Asia, but the Holy Spirit stopped them. Wait a minute. When I'm reading scripture, I interact with scripture. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? The Holy Spirit kept them from speaking. How exactly did the Holy Spirit keep them from speaking? We don't know. I read this commentary, that commentary, this book, this book, this scholar, this scholar. Nobody really knows exactly how the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking, but he did. And gets this, had the Holy Spirit not kept them from speaking, they would have spoken. Keep that in mind. The church of the New Testament moved forward. They took the calling of Jesus seriously. Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Okay, we're going. We're on our way. And that's exactly what they did. And they moved forward unless God stopped them. And that's what happened in this verse. On this occasion, the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking. But had the Holy Spirit not kept them from speaking, they would have spoken. That's crucial. I'm going to tie all this together for you in just a moment. And it happens again. Verse 7. When they approached the province of Mysia, they tried to enter the province of Bithia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. We have no clue, again, how God's Spirit wouldn't let them. But somehow they were prevented. Again, the New Testament church is moving forward, expanding borders, stretching horizons. A revolution is on the move. And it doesn't appear as if these moments of the Holy Spirit kept them or the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them were uncommon. In fact, Luke just mentions it and moves on. They were traveling and they were going where they thought best. Here, they are kept. There, they're not allowed to speak. But they keep moving. Now notice this. But passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas instead. Say, why is that a big deal? One direction didn't work. Another direction didn't work. So they go a third direction. They're on the move. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't stop them, if God doesn't stop them, they're on their way to the next city. They're not sitting around waiting for someone to tell them what to do. They're not waiting for per perfect circumstances. They're not waiting for some angel to appear and tell them what to do. God has already told them, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Fine. We're on our way. And if God doesn't stop them, they go to the next place. Last passage in Acts 16. Then we're going to tie all this together. And here's what happened. A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Watch this, immediately. Notice the urgency of this. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. Someone asked for help. They had the ability to help. Nothing stopped them from helping. So what they do? They helped. Again, moving forward. We are going to the next place unless we are stopped. All right. Now, maybe you know the reason I began with how I interact with my grandsons, Elliot and Grayson. How are you going to tie Elliot and Grayson to Acts 16? Just watch. It's pretty amazing. 
I allow, watch this, my sons, my grandsons to explore and to play and to learn. I stay close enough to assist, far enough to encourage freedom. Close enough to protect, far enough not to hinder creativity. Close enough to prevent something I don't want them to do or is dangerous, far enough to let them have all the room possible to explore and grow and become who they are meant to become. And here's my question. I said all that to get to this. I wonder if God's interaction with us is similar. What if, just what if, God lets us wonder and explore and play and learn much more with freedom than we initially thought. Now, maybe this way of thinking isn't new to you. Maybe you've always thought of God as giving an abundance of freedom, but I haven't. And if you grew up in the kind of culture, church environment, church culture, I grew up in, this concept of God giving lots of freedom to us and allowing us to pursue dreams is somewhat uncommon to you. See, I I was taught God has a specific will for my life. And I, I was taught in every situation, I had to do exactly what he wants for me. And if I veer off from that or not do exactly what he wants, then I'm outside of God's will. I'm not going to have his best. So my responsibility was twofold. Find out what he wants me to do and do it no matter what. So for years, I carried this heavy burden with me everywhere I went. You would see me, I would smile, I would seem happy on the outside, everything seemed to be okay. But internally, I was carrying this very heavy burden, if you will, to figure out what God wanted me to do. I couldn't decide a job, a church, a move, anything until I ran it through the grid of, is this what God wants? And I waited for God to tell me what he wanted me to do and most of it kind of tilted and ebbed and flowed on my emotions and how I felt in the moment. And if I determined that it was what God wants, then I could do it with confidence. If I determined it isn't what God wants, then I couldn't do it no matter how much I wanted to do it. And if I was unable to decide whether this person or this job or this project or this dream was according to God's will, then I waited because I never wanted to be outside of God's will. Some of you are sitting in this room going, I have never even thought anything like the way you think. Others of you are going, that's exactly how I was raised, and I know what you mean when you say you carry that heavy burden with you. But here it is, and it's taken me a long time to get to this place in my life. What if God isn't like that? What if he is similar to how I am with my grandsons, Elliot and Grayson? What if he's cheering us on to explore? What if he wants us to try? What if he's waiting for us to stand up in the boat and say, hey, can I come to, the, to you on the water? What, what if he's wanting us to pursue our dreams, to be on the move? And if we get ready to do something he knows is not good for us or dangerous or poor, he'll speak to us. Somehow, some way, he'll prevent us. He'll stop us. But unless he does, go for it. Unless he does, go for it. And here's what motivates me. What if at the end of this life, God says something like this to me? And I think about things like this. What if he says to me something like this? You know, Scott, you could have done something about blank. 
Whatever it is that bothers me, whatever it is that I wish were different in this world, whatever it is that gets under my skin, whatever it is that keeps me up at night, whatever it is I look across this community and I wish somebody else would do something about it, whatever it is I wish the church would change, whatever it is I wish that our country would be different, you know, whatever it is that really bothers me, whatever, whatever need I think we need fulfilled, a need that we need met, what if, what, if, what if one day he looks at me and says, you know, Scott, you could have done something about that if you would have only tried. That stirring you had in your heart, that was me. What, what, what if you would have started blank? Could it be a business? Could be get an education? It could be whatever it is. I don't know. If you would have started blank, you would have been so successful. You were perfectly designed for it. I was rooting for you the whole way. When you were dreaming about blank, I was so hopeful you would have tried it. You would have been incredible at that. What if one day, just, just what if one day, when you see things as God sees things, because right now we're told one day we will see him in purity and in, in, in clarity. Paul says right now we see through a glass darkly. What if one day when that darkness is lifted, the veil is taken away, we don't see things through a glass darkly, but we see things as they actually are, fully lit, fully bright, and we realize in that moment all the dreams that remained unfulfilled. If we would have only said, can I come to you on the water? We would have heard, yeah, come on. See, I believe in that story with Peter walking on water and all the other disciples that remained in the boat. I'm absolutely convinced that if another disciple would have stood up and said, can I come too? He would have said, come on. And if another one would have said, can I come too? He would have said, sure, come on. And we could have had a story of all 12 walking on the water but only one asked, only one tried. So here's my question for you today as we wrap up this series. What dream is unfulfilled in your life? What, what, what is stirring inside of you? What, what sometimes bothers you? What sometimes you wish were true? What, what, what is it that inside of you, you know, if we had this, this whole city would be different. You know, if we had this, the church at large would be different. You know, if we had this, my family tree would change. You know, if we had this, our marriage could be like that. You know, if I started this business, if I went back and got that education, if I did this, if we did this, my kids would be different. If I quit my job and stayed home, here's how things would look. If I started that business and got out of this and got into that, I don't know what's stirring in you. I have no idea. But what dream is unfulfilled in your life? What would you say? Because my follow-up question to that is going to be, well, why is it unfulfilled? What is stopping you? Why'd you quit? I want you to see this passage, 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul speaking to his young protege, Timothy, and he says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God. Now, the image we get here is that Timothy has a low-burning ember in his heart. Possibly, it's getting ready to go out. And Paul says to him, Timothy, look at me, buddy. My words. Fan it into flame. Don't let it go out. Now, whose responsibility was it to get it from a slow-burning little ember to a raging, roaring fire? Whose responsibility was it? Timothy's. 
Paul tells Timothy to do it. Don't let the flame go out. And it is your responsibility and it is my responsibility to fan into flame the gift God has given to us. So what dream is burning low in you? What dream used to be a raging fire, but now it is smoldering? What dream used to keep you up and get you excited, but now it's flickering and ready to burn and to, to, to turn into smoke and eventually be gone forever? What dreams are lying dormant inside you and you have allowed storms to stop you, secrets to derail you, discouragement to depress you, failure to crush you. What if the small, flickering, almost snuffed out spark could be turned into a raging, roaring fire once again? What would we see? What would we see in your life? What, what, what would our church see if it became a reality? What would your family see if it became a reality? What would our community see? What would our world see if that dream became real? If you only dreamed again. Now, let's go a little deeper, okay? There are many essentials to living your life the way I'm describing it. What are you talking about, Scott? Moving forward, reaching your dreams. If God wants to prevent you, he will stop you. Living in that zone, all right? Many essentials. I don't even know all the essentials. And we certainly don't have time to go through many of them, but I can give you two. I want to drop two in your life this morning. And hopefully you'll take these. It'll change the way you see different things. You'll never reach your fullest potential. You'll never Complete the journey. You'll never realize the dreams unless these two things become a reality in your life. Number one, listen for his voice and follow his lead. A few minutes ago, I mentioned something a couple of you caught, but most of you probably didn't. It's not your fault. I just didn't emphasize it that much. So more than likely you heard it, but you didn't catch the significance of it. I use the examples of the Holy Spirit stopping, preventing the apostles from going to certain cities in Acts 16. And, and I mentioned how that was not uncommon. Then I encourage you to live your life in a similar way. As if God, and if God wants to stop you, he will. You don't need to lift your hand on this question, okay? Just kind of sit there in this, in this moment and just kind of let it process. Just, just think it through as I ask it. When I was going through that section, did you wonder, how will I know God is speaking to me? See, when I read scripture, I kind of interact with it, as I mentioned a moment ago. When I read that, I thought to myself, how in the world did the apostles know the spirit of Jesus prevented them? I mean, was there a lightning bolt? Did an angel come down? Did something drop in front of their path? How did they know? How did they know that they were prevented from going to this city or that city? I want you to notice that, the, that Luke, the author of Acts, casually mentions it. The Holy Spirit kept them. The Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. And he just goes on. Oh, uh, hello. I need a little bit more information than that. How did these things happen? What do you mean he wouldn't let you? What do you mean he kept you from going to a city? That's what I find interesting. Luke simply mentions it and moves on. What does that tell you? It tells you that Working with God's spirit, listening to the spirit of Jesus, following the direction of the Holy Spirit was a common occurrence. It was so common, an explanation wasn't even necessary. The apostles, just like my grandsons, 
explored and moved and tried and attempted. And when God needed to speak to them about direction, about specifics, he did. And they listened and they followed through. Now, this message is not about learning how to hear God's voice. We don't have time to go into all of the details of that. But I do want to ask you this, and I need you to answer this. Do you have any time set aside in your busy life? And we're all busy. Our calendars are packed. Our phones ding. We've got this we got to do and that we got to do. And go here and go there and see this person and return that email and return that phone call. And I've got to get up early to get my kids to school and pick them back up and take them to soccer practice. And we got to go here. Then I got this. I got, I've got to watch episode five on Netflix. I've got this. I've got that. We've got all these different things. I, listen, I just want to ask you this question. Do you have any time set aside, reserved in your busy life, to simply listen, to make room for God's spirit to prevent you, if necessary, to keep you from moving here or there. When is the last time you set aside a significant portion of time to simply be quiet and say something like this, God, I'm here. You know I'm attempting to do this. You know the plans I've made. You know the desires you've given me. You know the gifts I have, the talents, the skills. You know my education. You know my career. You know my kids, my husband, my wife. You know everything there is to know about me. You know the plans I've made. You know what's in my heart. You know what's in my mind. Speak to me ever how you want. Open doors. Close doors. Point the way. Show me a different way. I want to follow your lead. And then listen. Just, just sit for just a few seconds quietly. Right here, right now. Just sit here. It feels awkward to some of us because we're just not used to being quiet. But it's in those quiet moments sometimes God says, go here. It's in those quiet moments God says, now. It's in those quiet moments God says, hey, not right now. You can follow your path without God's direction, without God's voice. And you know what? You can achieve some success. I know lots of people who never include God, never spend time in prayer, don't even have any kind of faith, and they're greatly successful. I'm not implying you can't be successful without God. My question is, why would you not want God to be involved? I want God involved in all that I do. I want his wisdom and his guidance and his direction. If I build my dreams on myself, ultimately it will come to nothing. But if I build my dreams on the foundation of God and his truth, it will outlive me, as I said last week. That's what I want. I want to leave a legacy for my grandsons. I want to leave a legacy for their kids. And if I do what God wants me to do as he wants me to do it, flow with him, what I do will outlive me. Listen to his voice and follow his lead. The second thing I'm going to give you, and that's all I'm going to give you today, is accept responsibility and take bold risks. I want to go to a well-known story Jesus tells in Matthew 25, and basically I'm just going to read the story to you. 
And this comes from the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of the New Testament. I, lo- I love how he words this. This is Matthew 25. Listen to the story in these words. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibility. To one, he, one, he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master committed him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. Take that terrible, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live, how? Cautiously. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, or at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who, what? Risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him in the outer darkness. What a story. Man, there is so much truth here. But here's the point I want you to get. I'm bringing out of this, this this one kind of principle, this idea, the guy who was given the $1,000 acted as if it was all about his master's money, but it wasn't. That's a lie. It was about himself. He was afraid he would lose and he would get in trouble. His master was right. If it was about his master's money, then he would have invested the money with the bankers and generated a little interest, but it wasn't about his employer's money. It was about his behind. Listen to me very carefully. You will never accomplish everything you were designed and fashioned and made to accomplish until you are willing to take some bold risks, until you're willing to put it all on the line. There comes a point when pursuing your dream when you've got to step out. I mean, you've got, you've got to jump. You've got to push all your chips to the center. You've got to say, that's it. I'm putting it all in. You got to risk. You got to stop playing it safe. Can I show you one more passage of scripture and then we're done for today? Doesn't matter what you say, right? You're still going to show us what passage of scripture's got. All right. Acts four. Before I show this to you, I want you to know this: the early Christians, led by Peter and John, were being persecuted. They were being jailed and they were being killed for their faith. Let me ask you, how would you pray? If you're being persecuted, you're being hunted down, you're being jailed, and some people are being killed for their faith, how would you pray? I'll tell you how I probably would pray. Oh, God, get me out of this. Help me. Don't let me die. Don't let me get hurt. Don't let bad, oh, God, you've got to save me. Help, help, help. Now, there's nothing wrong with prayers for help, but I just find it interesting how Peter actually prayed in the middle of persecution. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Not get me out, give me boldness to endure. Not save me, 
but help me do the right thing in the middle of this mess I'm in. Not deliver us from them, not protect us so we won't get hurt, not get us out of here, but give us boldness to do what we're supposed to do in this moment. Hey, instead of you praying for an easy path, why don't you pray for character to walk the path in front of you? Instead of praying that the storm will stop, why don't you pray for the courage to step out of the boat and walk the waves? Can I suggest to you a prayer? Here's something like this. Father, as you know, I have dreams inside. And I want to pursue those dreams. I want to go for it. I've got gifts and talents and passion. I want to go for it. But I have allowed storms to stop me. I've allowed secrets to derail me. I've allowed discouragement to depress me. I've allowed failure to crush me. No more. I want to learn to hear your voice and follow your lead. Give me boldness. Boldness to pursue what's in my heart. And if I make the wrong move, stop me. But if you don't stop me, I'm moving. Guide my feet and may your spirit lead me forward. Amen. And then get up and go do it. Go do it. We gave you a card when you entered today. If you will, just find that card. You don't have to put your name on it. Nothing like that. I'm not going to ask you to confess your dark secrets, okay? Just, just, just get the card out. Find a pen. And here's how I want to wrap this series up today, okay? I want to ask you, what's your dream? What's your dream? What's in your heart? What, what has been stirring? What do you want to do? But whatever has stopped you has stopped you. Whatever it is has hindered you has hindered you. Whatever it is has discouraged you has discouraged you. I don't know what it is. You do. And I want us to take 30 seconds, a minute or so, and just sit here for a moment and just think. Man, some of you already got it. You got exactly what it is inside of you. Others of you, you're not so sure. You might have to think about it. What is in you? And man, if it would be fulfilled, wow, what would we see? I want you to write it on the card. And then when we leave in just a moment, I'm going to have you fold that card and just drop it in a basket. Our first impression seems going to have a basket. You just drop it in. I'm going to collect those cards. I'm going to read every single card. And I want to pray with you that that will become a reality in your life. We have no idea what's at stake these become true. I can't wait to see it happen. Let me give you a moment or so as we just sit here for you to finish it, then I'm going to pray and we're going to go. Father, 
no doubt there are dreams across this auditorium in our first service, people watching online. You know the dreams. You know the passion. You know the desires. But we've allowed people. We've allowed family. We've allowed circumstances to hinder us, to stop us. People have discouraged us. People have laughed at our dreams. But we've become jealous of our dreams. We've allowed sin, secrets, messes in our life to tamp all that stuff down, suppress it. Father, I believe that you're going to speak into our lives. We're going to see some of these things go from a smoldering wick to a raging fire again. And we want to step into that with each other and support one another and love one another and watch dreams become a reality. Speak into our lives. Can't wait to see what you're going to do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for gifting us. And thank you through this series, encouraging us to watch dreams come alive again. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to do something a little different starting today. I'm going to make my way to the first, the uh, new here area. And if you're new to Forest Park, we're starting this today. I did the first service. If you're new or maybe you've been coming here for a while, you have questions or have anything you want to see, I'd love to meet you. You don't have to. You, don't, you can just wave on your way out or don't even look at me. You can look at the floor on your way out. That's fine too. But I'm there if you'd like to meet or have a question or anything at all. And I hope you have an incredible day. Thank you for being with us next Sunday, Easter Sunday. We'd love to have you bring a friend, family member with you. Look forward to celebrating Easter with you. Have an incredible day.